Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Scooter Cannonball Podcast. I'm David Bedarsky. Today, we have Barry Donovan, number 31, with us. Barry rode a 2006 Vespa GTS 250 in the 2001 Scooter Cannonball. It was his first, and he finished eighth place. Welcome to the show, Barry. Well, thank you. Glad to uh, be here. Yeah. So, like the, the previous guests, two questions. Who are you off the bike? And the second, what is your two-wheel story that ultimately led you to the starting line in Bar Harbor last July? Okay. Off the bike, we can do my wife's version or my version, which is basically I'm an electrical engineer and work out of the house, do specialized studies for various companies. And been doing that for about eight years now. Prior to that, I spent 32 years in electric utilities. Nice. And... We came in very late to scooters and kind of stumbled on them in 2015. And then 2016 is when we bought our first scooters. So not that long, not a lot of experience, but the wasp stung us hard. Found out about scooters because we were camping in Bar Harbor at a campground there. And it's 2015, so I think that is like the 75th anniversary of Cadia National Park there and driving around with a big pickup truck was tough to park and all that saw some people next to us that had a trailer with these things on them scooters and I said huh so we talked to them about them he goes oh yeah it's great we, we this is what we use to get around all places we go camping because he had like a class C which is a fully enclosed drivable RV so we talked and said, that might not be bad. And I spent the whole winter researching scooters and ended up with Vespas. Bought the two 2016 Sprint 150s, which was similar to the one you rode in the previous Cannonball. And they load up in the back of a pickup truck. We take them camping. And then we discovered the whole scooter community rallies we went to mayor vespa in richmond and that's when i met pam and a couple other people like lon brooke from oh. the cannonball and i said oh this could be interesting and after that it's like we've blossomed from two scooters to now have six so your your wife rides as well yes she rides and what we did is we did the msf motorcycle license course here in vermont and we were able to use two scooters for the course because the motor vehicle department has scooters. So we did that, even though my wife had a motorcycle back in college. And she goes, what do I need to go to this course for? I rode all through college and stuff. Well, after the first day, she's like, I don't know how I didn't kill myself. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a very worth worthwhile class. So we got that, started riding the the 150s in 2018, she said, you know, we lose a lot of speed going up the hills and mountains here in Vermont. So she wanted a 250. So yeah. I found a couple down in New York that is selling two 2006 GTS 250s with 300 miles on them. So nice. we bought those. And of course... You know, there's a mouse nest and I had fuel pump issues, voltage regulators issues, all that. But that's the one, one of those is the one I rode in the the Cannonball. And we discovered, like you said, the rally. So we've been to 
two Amerivespas. The one in Lake Geneva was, we loved that one. That was great. And trying to find more rallies to go to. And then I said about the cannonball. And she goes, well, okay, you're on your own. She rented a beach <laughs> house with her, her sister for that week. <laughs> Not but, but, you know, the original route was supposed to end up in Killington. And I'm 18 miles from the parking lot at Killington. So my plans was, you know, I stop at Killington, come back home, spend the first night in my bed, and then decide if I want to proceed any further. So, but then, of course, with everything that happened, you know, Manchester is still like a half, you know, 30 miles away. And I said, ah, that's too far for me to check in, ride back, and then ride back in the morning. So wife, she was with me. Margo was with me up at Bar Harbor. We trailed both scooters up. She rode around, met everybody, and she came back, dumped the trailer, and then drove down to Manchester to meet me and, and everybody coming in and spent the night. And then I was off. She went up to the beach, and but she loved your app, David. She loved that because she was oh, able thanks. to track where I was and stuff. And I thought that whole thing was fantastic where you're scoring and everything. And maybe, I think it made people at home, you know, feel more comfortable. They can see where their their friends and family are. And that was that was amazing, I thought. So kudos to you on, on that. And then when I got back, she started, Mario started saying stuff. Well, you know, if you don't go crazy on the next one, she goes, I might want to ride in it. Ah, I was going to ask, could she kind of catch the bug from you after that? And the, the next one will be a good one. It's, it's eight days. It's in the sweet spot. So, that, I mean, that was kind of by design, too. Yeah, I think she saw everybody, the camaraderie, of course, at the start line. You know, you could feel it was palatable, the excitement, the energy. And I think she just, you know, saw that and she goes, huh, you know, this could be could be fun the parking lot stuff looks fun and of course she keeps telling me i found my tribe with the scooter community so i i think you did it sounds like you did a decent amount of riding and touring but you were from 2018 to 21 kind of ignoring your wife's background of or riding experience in college that that's it right five four or five years yeah pretty pretty much i i mean when i was a kid like 12 there's a neighbor that had a like a little like Kawasaki, like 100. And I think there's, he had like a Honda 90 or something like that. And we'd ride around in the yard. And unfortunately it was fun until I wiped out, scraped myself up pretty bad. And my mom said, that's it. You're done. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, you know, not a lot of riding experience. When we went to the rallies, we had taken the uh, the camper and made like a two week camping slash rally event out of it so we had the 150s at the rallies and that was fun prior to that most of our riding's been around here in vermont doing a lot of rides for ice creams they call them creamies here maple soft serve trying to find the best one in vermont we joined the vermont 251 organization where you visit all 251 towns in vermont and we're planning to do it all on our scooter. So we did a number of those. Prior to doing the Cannonball, I had only done about 15,000 miles of riding. So you add 
you know, take 4,500 miles, I'm riding in 10 days, about 30% of what I had ridden my whole quote riding career. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. When you, when you look at it that way, it's, it's a, it's a chunk. Yeah. And I tried to do some longer rides. Weather wasn't cooperating. The one big ride I did do prior to Cannonball was probably about a week and a half before was about 350 miles. And I had a sauce bushing go on it. I lost my brake line. So I come back and it's a, you know, a week and a half out. And now I'm trying to find a brake line to replace. So (laughs) that was on the bike you intended to ride in the Cannonball. Exactly. And so there we go. Getting to the start is the hardest point. So I did order and belt and suspenders. I ordered from two different places to see which one (laughs) came first and then still took the other 250 apart and used that brake line just in case. Because the other thing, we went to a rally in Albany a couple of years back and my wife was talking to somebody who had a 300, GTS 300. She goes, oh, this is the same size as the 250. She goes, I'd like a 300. So ended up buying her a 2012 from a guy down in Pennsylvania, one of the Three Mile Island club guys. So he got, she's got a GTS 300 now. All right. You have a garage full of scooters now. And I think you you have a vintage as well that's new to the family? I have a 1974 Vespa 150 Super with a Penasco 177 kit in it. And this was bought last spring. It had been running. It wasn't running this time. So I just got it home, threw it in the corner, and it was purchased at my wife's urging so i had a project to work on she figured i needed a vintage the moderns weren't enough <laughs> yeah are you thinking about riding that in the upcoming cannonball or are you sticking to a, a modern i think we're sticking to modern she's going to ride her 300 i'm going to ride probably you know same one get that shipped out and you know when i rode my 250 it was basically completely stock Everything was stock. Tires were the City Grip 2s, and they were they were great. As a matter of fact, it's still on the scooter because I haven't really ridden it since I got, by the time it got back from being shipped back and everything else, plus having a, a spare scooter, I would ride that. So I think I've got about another 1,000 miles I can get out of that rear tire. So fortunately, I had no flats, unlike somebody else I heard had a number of flats. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's, you know, basically, and then I had a Susie at Cheeky Seats made up a seat cover for me because I had met her at Lake Geneva. Actually, she was in the camping spot across from us. And so I spent a bit of time with her. And then I, she made up a nice seat cover. She said, I know you. She goes, so I'm putting extra padding in it for you. <laughs> So uh, she knew my skinny, skinny ass needed more padding. Skinny ass, yes, bony ass, Barry. If you're at a 06 Vespa GTS in 2023, you should have a a very good handicap then. That's in the 115, 112 maybe. I forget exactly where that's at, but that's competitive. Yeah, well, yes, except I won't be tourists this time because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. my wife will be with me. And we'll see. We're, we got a bunch of training runs I'm trying to do with her this summer i've been 
planning all kinds of rides, using base camp and stuff. And, and prep, you know, prep-wise for the whole Cannonball, obviously I watched all of Pam's videos. I watched the movie It's Not a Race. The movie is Slow Ride Home. You know, read up a, a lot of stuff on it and tried to learn some stuff. But then there's nothing like experience, being a rookie in there and, and getting some some experience. Well, your longest ride, you said, prior to the Cannonball was 350 miles and our longest day was five you know 20 yeah somewhere in there if, yeah, if you yeah 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 if you didn't screw up did you find that the added miles in real life were a whole lot different than 350 or do you regret not doing some longer rides or did it matter at all to you really at that point you were going from hotel to hotel yeah i think it it really really mattered you know first few days i had the usual aches and pains in the lower back and and stuff but after that i guess all my nerves got numb and i was fine and it wasn't that you know some days it's like wow i'm here already what happened my mind must have just gone into you know really focused mode and just just ride and i just tried to be consistent in my Riding, I did have some navigation errors. Yeah, and I was going to ask the you, worst you, one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you had the home field advantage in the earlier days. I I believe you even rode portions of day one and maybe day two. But looking at your scores this morning, it wasn't until maybe the middle of the event after like the fifth day that you started hitting your stride. You finished eighth, but. The first few days, you were in the high teens and 20s, low 20s on your finishing stats. What changed or what what was different about the second half of the event compared to the first half for you? Well, what changes? I'm not comfortable or had a lot of experience yet with especially turns, curves and stuff. And I would I would slow up on that. I had never really ridden an extended high rate of speed, like 65 or even by the time I got towards more towards the middle of the country, I felt very started feeling very comfortable at wide open throttle cruising along at 72, 73 miles per hour. Because like, you know, roads here in Vermont, you really can't do that unless you're on the highway. And for me, riding on the highways is really no fun. But so that was, I think, part of the difference. I got more comfortable riding at a faster speed. So. And that was just from my lack of experience in riding overall. And the navigation stuff, I try I try to spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time learning base camp and following the route and playing around with some stuff. I don't think I deviated too much from the official or suggested, whatever you you call it, that you published. Worst time, and here's a story I haven't told anybody, was on day two. And I pulled up to a stop sign and behind some people. They took a left, and my route had me going straight. I'm like, so I started having a little bit of self-doubt. Was this in Pennsylvania? Yeah. And I went up this small little hill, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should just turn around and go back and go that way and see where it ends up see how it meets up my magenta line. So I went to turn around. After I had stopped, I went to turn around on the hill, take a left turn, and 
I fell over. And I was like, oh, but it's a slow speed fall over. So it's just but, gravel then, or were no, you? No, this is tar. It's just because I was on the hillside and the, the road okay. was a hill. And I was turning left, so I was turning down the hill. Were you top heavy? Did you have a an auxiliary fuel tank or just no? No, uh, just that's the other thing. I just is... had my uh, <laughs> top case, which is a forty seven liter, and then I had a front rack with some stuff and the okay. fuel tank, you know, fuel can on the floorboard. So I fall over, and the bike didn't shut off for some reason. So I reach over, turn the key, get the bike up, and I said, "Oh, something got bent." And it keeps turning to the left. I can't move the steering wheel and all that. And I said. Ah, shoot. Day two, I'm out. And there, I had my helmet off by that time. And I'm looking and I say, well, I guess I got to find my coordinates and get the support truck because I paid for the support truck to carry some tires. So I'm there. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm thinking all is lost. Day two, okay, get the support truck. And the wife's going to have to come with the trailer, pick me up, all that, and disturb her week at the beach. And then there was a Fiero girls that pulled up. He said, everything all right? He said, yeah. I said, something's wrong with my front wheel here and stuff. One of them looked over and said, your steering wheel's locked. I said, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was one of those, you dummy. And so, but again, there are two lessons I had came out of that early on was don't self-doubt. You've laid out your plan. Follow. Yep. Even if other people are going a different direction, follow your plan. And then the second thing is don't panic. Take a breath. Try to reassess the situation on what's going on. But that was one of those ones. And that probably cost me about 15 minutes that day. And it's like, but then my steering wheel <laughs> did get bent a little. The handlebars had gotten knocked off. Fortunately, no brake lever got bent. So I just, you know, wheel between my legs, yanked them. Got them straight, and then later that day when I got in a hotel, I talked to Seth, and he goes, oh, yeah, no problem. Just, that's what we do in the shop is just yank them around. So I said, fine. So went the whole whole thing. The rest of the uh, trip was really uneventful. Other than that little thing, I never went down any the the gravel. Didn't have a lot of dirt road riding, but the dirt roads here in Vermont are a little different than some of that stuff has loose gravel on there and stuff. Ours are like a regular, you know, secondary road. Yeah. Yeah, out west it was a combination of dust and sand and sugar sand and dirt and we covered it all, I think. If if we missed something, it was probably snow. Yes, and that was that one thing I was wondering because there was one picture one time I saw July or something snow up near is a mining Thing. That was a bonus photo point. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I tried to do, and this was, I guess, maybe like a little bit more of a personal challenge. I want to try to do everything as least supported as I can. I had used those little packing cubes in the hole to keep myself organized in the 47 liter uh, top case I had. I had on a front rack just some minor stuff, mainly a big canvas bag to take everything back on the plane with that I wasn't going to ship. Did you use the laundry truck service thing that was going on? No. 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 Nope, so you, not at all. Did you mail ahead clothing, clean underwear, and throw as you go? Or you were completely in your top case for t- 10 in plus days? In my top case. And I, it got lighter as I went along because it was like, yeah, I would be throwing out underwear and the you know, that type of thing. And, and I got into, so I carried all my own 
the tools, the belt, you know, all that stuff. Oil filter had some That's oil. Impressive. And the only thing I paid for a support truck was where I bought two rims and I had a front and a rear tire all pre-mounted, ready to go. But never needed it. But if, of course, if somebody needed it, I probably would have volunteered to somebody take it. But you know, those City Grips twos, they lasted the whole whole time for me so yeah so my goal was i want to self-support it and i tried to get into a routine every day i get up you know like around four o'clock in the morning i try to be out like half an hour before sunrise or so because i figure i want to finish in the mid-afternoon i want to have time if something happened to do work on the bike in the daylight on the side of the the road, which should happen once. I did have to replace the exhaust bushing again. But other than that, you know, I get to the hotel, check in, go up. I plug my electronics in to start charging like the headset and stuff. And if there's a pool, I hit the pool and just kind of float it around to try to, you know, be weightless type thing. And so that's it. I got myself into Try to get, then I go out into the parking lot and wander around, try to help people and, and stuff like that. But I tried to keep myself in a routine so I wouldn't quite get as much cannonball brain <laughs> as I thought I might. <laughs> so, and then the gear I rode is I, I got LD Comfort, the riding shorts. I had two pair of those, so I keep washing one out at night. And then I had the long sleeve shirt, but I didn't use that until we we're out towards the west with the hotter climb and even then i didn't think it got that hot for me so that was pretty much my routine and yeah i think that helped me uh, i tried to keep myself organized those little packing cubes were nice because then i had everything organized and when i opened up my top case it wasn't like everything came exploding out yeah it sounds like a that sounds like a really good kind of consistent routine i think the routine at least for me i'm a routine person is very critical, I think, to a kind of a successful ride and managing. At least there's maybe some consistency in that. But you're correct about the getting up early and on the road is so, I think, so critical in this event. And almost half of the participants seem to not follow that. They would maybe have a casual departure in the morning. And on the first few days with kind of summer thunderstorms, they were encountering those late in the afternoon and were kind of stuck on the side of the road with daylight, you know, fading. Yeah. And I tried to be in bed by around, you know, between eight, eight and nine type thing. So I got to try to get a good, you know, six to eight hours sleep at night. So, you know, I, I tried to be disciplined in, in that, not hanging out in parking lot, drinking beers or anything like that. Because I said, <laughs> nah, uh, I don't need to do that. It's going to be hard enough as it, as hard it is. Enough. And then, yeah, the only other thing is in Fernley, Nevada, that day coming in, I had had trouble. The bike was like surging at certain speed thing. And I got in and I was talking with uh, Jose, got Mojo. And he goes, ah, he goes, I think it's your injector and so of course he had four injectors on the support truck exactly <laughs> he brought a lot of extra stuff so i got that we changed it out and on my bike there's two fuel lines to the injector uh, feed and a return so next morning so we started up ramp fine okay so next morning I, i'm leaving and 
right before the underpass, before we get on the highway, the scoot died. I said, oh, my God. So I pull off to the side. As a matter of fact, my pet carrier was so heavy, I had a little dowel with a piece of duct tape so I can pull up on it to get it out with all my tools and stuff. And I look, and fuel line had come off, and there's fuel all over the engine. All I could think of is Brooks scooter going up in flames. <laughs> so fortunately, it was a quick fix, snapped the fuel line. So when we had put it back together, we had not snapped the fuel line on tight. So I got that, took my water bottle, because I had a water bottle that I would carry to wet down my that LD Comfort undershirt. And so I just flooded the engine thing with water and then took off and didn't have, have any any issues. I had a camelback I rode with too for uh to drink. But other than that, that was the only you know, day two was a self inflicted issue. <laughs> and this day was just, you know, one of those one of those things, but fortunately, you know, it didn't pop off when the engine was really hot because then that could have been a exciting morning. And then on that last day, it, it was kind of funny because I was riding along and I think Doug had caught up with me. So we're riding along together. And then we had all this construction traffic, you know, stopped waiting. And up ahead, I see, see Tiny. And I go, Doug, says, let's scoot out and join up with, with Tiny. So I took off to the left because I was on the left side, went up that way, stopped next to Tiny. And Tiny and I are talking along. And I see coming up on the other side. I say, oh, here comes Doug. Doug gets right next to Tiny. He didn't realize he's there. Yells boo. And I thought Tiny was going to fall off the scooter. <laughs> it was it was so funny. Of course, people behind us saw it was funny in the car there. And so that, that sounds that like was, Doug. For sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tiny, Doug, and I rode the rest of the way all the way into Eureka. And we're, at one point, we're at a traffic light. And Doug's like, let's go. I said, what do you mean? And so lane splitting. Of course, you know. We don't that's do California. that here. Yeah, that's not Vermont. And so, so, okay, so three of us went up right up between the line, and, yeah, we ended up all three riding in, in together. So oh, That's great. That was, that was fun. Did you do a lot of group riding over the 10 days or just kind of the usual hit or miss on and off? Hit or miss. Most of the time, I was solo. And a couple of times, a couple of days, the only person I jockeyed back and forth with was Jose. For some reason, we'd be... You know, it's funny because he's like, yeah, he goes, be riding along. And then he goes like on a stretch and then he'd look and he goes, oh, God, here he comes. And I go flying by him. Then he'd catch up to me because he, he was geared a little different for the hill. So he'd catch up and pass me in the hill, get down on a flat, be cruising along. And he goes, oh, God, here he comes again. <laughs> so we were doing that back and forth for for a number number of days yeah and he had that sparkly pink scooter so you could you could see it kind of in the, in your mirror or up ahead like he was coming up yeah, on you when you pinky. were chasing him down there it is yep he was yeah 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 he was hard to miss so yes a lot of people ask that is it a group ride and i only know a few people that have i think truly done a group ride for all 10 days and everyone else is kind of here and there. And I think that's kind of a, a very nice thing about this event that it's not necessarily a group ride, but you're always kind of within arm's reach of somebody. Yep. 
And, you know, the people I saw that were sort of, quote, group rhymes were, were the couples, like, you know, Scoop Daddy and Scoop Mommy. And there's another couple there. I think they're on the ADV 150s. Yes. Yeah, Eric and Kalitha. Yeah, exactly. So those were the ones I saw on group ride, which is, I guess my expectation of riding in a group was kind of shaded by watching one of Pam's day videos where, you know, there's like six or seven of them that were all riding together as a group on the last cannonball. So I guess I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And I just figured, okay, you know, end up hooking up and riding along with somebody because I did ride along a little bit with Brooke and Lon for, for a while at one point, but you know, they're much better riders and, you know, took off on me on the curves. <laughs> Same thing with Seth. Seth was an amazing, oh, amazing yeah. rider. Oh my God. He was, he was like, amazing. his name comes up in every one of these podcasts. I mean, he was a great rider, fantastic individual. And he has the scooter shop, Metro scooter in Cincinnati. Yeah. So he was, like a godsend in the parking lot, if nothing else, like a, just a, a little calming presence helping you through or guiding you through your maintenance or lying to you and letting you know everything would be okay. And <laughs> maybe it was, Yeah, <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah, Seth yeah, was no. fantastic. I really hope he comes back in 23. Yeah, that would be funny. And you know, one of those things about Manchester, Vermont, where the newspaper was there, and that's a whole nother thing. I'm not sure how I kept getting into newspapers, but weren't you quoted as being from a the wrong state, Barry from New Hampshire? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you you had picked up a nickname by the second day. <laughs> the uh, but in Manchester, my wife saved the the paper, Manchester Journal, and had a picture of a guy helping out on tiny scooter. This guy Leon Ward from. Actually, he's from Manchester, and it turns out he has a lot of scooter experience. I think he used to own a shop, and I tracked him down and reached out to him to help me with this vintage one I have, and he's right down. He's in Florida right now, but he said when he gets back, he goes, yeah, I'll come over. I'll help you. He goes, I can put one of those engines together with my eyes closed. I'm sure I can teach you something about it with my eyes open, and it's just like, wow, the whole scooter community, even though you know, I don't know him, saw him in the newspaper, tracked him down. He's like, yeah, no problem. I'll come over and help you. So That's great. Just goes to show what the uh, community, the whole scooter community is, is like. The USA Today article really got us last minute on the radar of a lot of these smaller communities and towns that we were overnighting. And we typically in the past haven't drawn a lot of attention to ourselves. The hotel obviously knows, but we don't reach out to the Chamber of Commerce or the local police department and the newspaper and, you know, alert the media. The USA Today article, they were all aware. And we were in the paper for every town that we stayed at, and some were running articles in advance of our arrival. And we had people coming out, cheerleading's a little, maybe not the best word, but, you know, waiting for us in the parking lot of the hotels, coming by in the evening. And regardless of what they rode, you know, a Harley or sport bikes or you know something that's not a scooter, they were absolutely very welcoming and were somebody who needed some sort of mechanical help and they thought they had a way, you know, a tool or a fuel siphon, whatever it may be, at you know, back in their garage, they were running to get it and, and returning with it and lending a hand. And that was great. And it's kind of what you need in these smaller towns too. 
those are the kind of people that know somebody that have, you know, that, that can do some welding or know somebody that has a shop that might be able to stay open a little later if somebody needs something. So the, I kind of, it changed my, my view a little bit on letting kind of the advance notice that we're coming to town because it, you know, it wasn't like this Smokey and the Bandit thing where, you know, the police had a barricade at the, you know, the town line waiting for <laughs> us to haul everyone off to jail. It was quite the opposite. So I think we'll hopefully see that again in, in 2023 because it, it worked in our favor and it ended up helping a lot of riders either, you know, on the event or in your case, you know, you were able to connect to somebody, you know, after the event that you otherwise wouldn't have met. Right. And, and you know, the thing that is funny is when Margo and I were driving up, because we went up a couple of days early to Bar Harbor, just said, yeah, make a whole weekend out of it, do a little bit of riding, you know, revisit the area. And we're riding up and all of a sudden, phone rings in the car and it's like hmm it says hot springs south dakota i said i don't know anybody there so we i answered it and it's a guy from the newspaper i was like he goes oh yeah i got your name and number from the hotel clerk what <laughs> so yeah that's where you know did a whole interview with him as we're driving up and when i got up there i sent him a picture of the scooter but he's the one and if you remember i came out from the hotel with a big 32-ounce can of their local beer that he had left for me there. I said, I can't drink all this. So I took it over to the scoring table, and everybody had a little bit. That's funny. I had the same thing in Rock Springs as well. I went to the hardware store to buy something after I checked in at the hotel, and the cashier was like, oh, you're with the with that scooter thing, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, how did you know? And he's you know, showing me the paper. They'd run the story the day before. I was like, oh, God. But it was neat to see in all the all the towns and all the people along the way. That was, I mean, maybe someone here and there handing out a water or, you know, taking your photo. But every single day we passed so many groups of people. Maybe it was like the pandemic, nothing else to do. I don't know. But it was awesome. It was so cool to see that. And and in states where you didn't expect, it, I never expected in Wisconsin that we would see so many people in the same in uh, Minnesota. Was that the cemetery stop? There's a whole bunch of them, that bonus thing there. There is yes. one group of them. And, yeah. And I tried to, you know, that's the other thing is like, I wasn't in the mindset. My goal was simple to finish. That's all I wanted to do. And so, you know, a lot of times these people would be there. So I'd stop and, you know, I said hi and talk to them a little bit and then took off. So I wasn't worried about, you know, okay, I'm going to lose a minute here, or two minutes or whatever. So I, I would, you know, some of them were the scooter clubs from the area too that were around. So, you know, like I said, try to spread spread the word because, like I said, I was a scooter neophyte because never really in New England, there are not a lot of scooters. And six years of riding around here, we haven't seen really any scooters. So we're kind of oddballs out here. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I'm in rural Pennsylvania. I know a few people that have scooters, but a scene does not exist. The only scooter scene I have is really this event. And at this point, really the, the primary reason why I own a scooter. But you missed, I think, one bonus point looking at your scorecard. That was a bridge. Which bridge? What happens when I was doing the base camp, I had a couple other versions of each route. And for some reason, and I made sure that it was flagged for alert on arrival. The bridge and the YMCA. The YMCA in Oil, Pennsylvania, or whatever it was. Yes. So yeah, I'm driving along, and it's like, okay. I said, hmm, 
I thought there was another checkpoint. And I had before at the last one or last gas stop, I'd pull out the book and I'd look. Uh, so you missed the Mayberg Bridge. You did Route six sixty or Route six 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 through I Pennsylvania, did. though. So yeah. you drove you drove by the bridge and just. But it didn't, didn't take a flag photo. on my Garmin. Yeah. Uh, so damn. and then I was like, well, I went over the bridge. I said, you know, there's a bridge. This one kind of looks familiar, but I didn't stop. I just kept going. You know, I should stop, check my book. And then same thing with the YMCA. I said, I know there's that. And I went past it, went over the bridge, turned around. And of course, it's raining by then. And, you know, I got a picture there. So that's the only reason. So then I started at night. I would step through the next day's route on my Garmin with the booklet in front of me and make sure that every bonus point and checkpoint came up as alert on arrival. So. Otherwise, yeah, I, that's the only bonus point I missed was the bridge. That's impressive because that, I mean, that's day two. And the bulk of the bonus points or where people were missing bonus points were in the later parts where they were tucked along dirt roads and gravel and, and places that just at that point you're, you're focused on finishing and, and losing 35 points is, is what it is. But you did everything that followed. And it, it sounds like you just rode by you know, the, the bridge and the YMCA just failed to get the photo, which I, I did this. I, I missed one bonus point on the on the last day, whatever the, the, the ranch was. I rode by it and I remember consciously thinking, that looks familiar and acknowledging it. And I also had the proximity alerts and just, I don't know, didn't didn't get the photo. And Doug did the same thing in Michigan. So he's he was on the missed one club, too. Yeah, and then one day I had issues for some reason. The voice prompts weren't working on my, uh, you know, headset thing on the, the helmet because it's free comm. And so I did take a small laptop with me. So I was in the room looking and I said, oh, I had to do a soft reset on the, on the Garmin. And once I did the soft reset, everything came back for the next day, all the voice prompts and everything. So it's <laughs> Yeah, that's frightening. I, I'd be a terrified to do any sort of reset of my of my GPS in the middle of the event. I was. I, I was like, oh, my God. Okay. So I said, all right, well, I've got all the cables. I can lo- reload everything. But, you know, are all the little parameters you set up to avoid recalculating, you know, all that stuff, is all that going to get wiped out? But with, apparently with the soft reset, it didn't. But, yeah, so day two, yeah, that was, you know, when I had my little mishap there where – I had locked my handlebars, uh, unbeknownst <laughs> to me. Yeah, I'll admit, in, in Bar Harbor, I was doing my oil change, and I was done, and I went to start the scooter, and nothing. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, one, just distracted. There, it's the starting line. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm talking to people on and off, blah, blah, blah. And it's not starting. And it's the it's the new side stand? The, 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 yes. I do. <laughs> I think it was Scott Taggart that came up and kicked the side stand up for me. But I'm new to the GTS, the Super Tech, and I'm thinking, oh, there's so many. This this whole thing's just a black box computer, you know. At this point, as a damn side stand. My 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 other GTS, the side stand, is just aftermarket. It doesn't they, the cheap scooter doesn't care where it's at. Yeah, that was it. Like, oh my god, how am I gonna? Is this a, a sign of things to come? But yeah, so you. <laughs> You, you locked your, your steering wheel. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I know about the side stand is 
for the original year that this event was supposed to run, my plans were I bought a Kimco downtown 200. I was going to ride and then I was going to drive down, take it down to Taggart's and we're just going, I was just going to let them sell it. Just whatever you get for it, sell it. Mm -hmm. You know, then of course everything got delayed and I was never really happy with how it felt sitting on it for me. So I, I played around, I was making all kinds of modifications to the seat with foam rubber and everything. And then when the cannonball got canceled for that year, I ended up selling it because I had to make room for the, I think, the Vintage scooter or another scooter. So I just sold it. I sold it to somebody down there from Connecticut that came up for it as a young kid. And he's talking about, oh, this is great. He goes, oh, I'm going to put in a big, massive stereo here, put all the, the lights oh, underneath it. <laughs> said, okay, you go for it. Whatever. <laughs> so Because, you know, that had a pretty good handicap at 200 and was was pretty good but anything in that 150 200 is a should score well in this event if you ride consistently that's a, just a, a statement of fact i think at this point so now you know again you know doing looking forward with margo wanting to ride and so what's nice is because with the 300 and the 250 gts's you know a lot of the same parts except you know the weights are a little different but other than that, like the variator is the same. And, and I did replace in Hot Springs, I did replace the variator because I had worn a groove in the in the top of it from on, on the belt from just being. So it sounds like start to finish, you had an exhaust gasket, the bushing replacement. And did that fail or was that out of just It caution? was failing. I could hear it based on the experience from just a few weeks before. <laughs> where it melted my brake line. So I pulled into a parking lot, empty parking lot and I'm lying down there. And next thing I know, a guy pulls up on a in a pickup truck and asks me, hey, everything all right? You need any help? He goes, I ride a motorcycle. And I just saw you over here. He goes, so no, I think I got everything. He goes, well, if you need anything, across the streets, there is a auto parts store. I look, I said, oh, I didn't even notice that. And then he goes, and he goes, there's a motorcycle shop down the street or something that I know. And if you need anything, yeah, I can take you down there now or whatever. I was like, no, I'm okay. But thank you for stopping. <laughs> you know, I appreciate you stopping. And then he's asking me about, you know, well, what are you doing? I said, well, we're doing this and that. And most of the people say, oh, really? You're riding that that far? <laughs> you get those amazed, amazed looks. So, yeah, so pretty much I had the exhaust bushing. I did the variator. I did an oil change. And you did the belt, I'm assuming, with the variator? You did, you did the whole transmission. The belt, variator, cleaned your weights and replaced them, sprayed out all the dust. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It, but, you know, I saved the belt and I got back here and I, I measured it. It's still only at like 20 millimeters. Yeah, so never throw still, away your belt. And it worn down. No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Just no, keep, no. keep that belt. <laughs> keep that belt in the top case. You might need it tomorrow. <laughs> I did change the rollers too, but I didn't have to. But I kept them, so I got a bag of, of dirty rollers. But yeah, so because I figured I had it off. So and the oil change, I had that Power Sports place that had the uh, oh in Wisconsin. That group was fantastic. Yeah, Marshfield, Wisconsin. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, Marshfield because I stayed down at the little Park Motel down then. Yeah, and they were they were great because they didn't have you know I put the Castrol hundred percent synthetic in. And they didn't have that. They had a mixture. I said, fine. But I had the filter. 
because they did not have a filter for the scooter. So I carry, you know, obviously I, I carry the the filter. So so pretty much that is all all the maintenance. I didn't have to do the tire change. Yeah, of course I had gone through the oil fluid changes, gear oil change, all that stuff beforehand. You know, before we left, and I had about a couple hundred miles on the tires and and the scoop from riding around in Bar Harbor. So pretty much is minimal, but again, I believe in keeping everything stock for something like this, just because I figure, hey, those engineers there, they've designed it, they know what parts work. Yeah, you know, I was looking for reliability. Yep. I didn't care about getting a little couple more miles per hour or anything like that. I just didn't want to have to spend time on the side of the road doing repairs. That's the way to finish. So that was my thing is just stock and know, know your scooter. You know, like when we were in Marshfield and I'm staying down at that other little, I think it's called Park City or Park Motel and Garrett, G-Rides was down there and he goes to me, hey, can listen to my scooter? What's what's going on? And I said, oh, I recognize that sound of the bushing. I said, you got to change that tonight. Got a little putty on him. Uh, well, he goes, I'm looking. He goes, yeah, what's that? Look at that. He goes, at the shop where he had the tire change and stuff, he goes, they did a terrible job. Look at that string hanging out. I said, no, that's part of your bushing that's hanging <laughs> out. And, and so after I, I went up to Power Sports, had my stuff, and, you know, had hot dogs and cheese curds and all that up there. And talking to just people, I mean, they were great up there. That that was nice. And then I came back, and he's, like, struggling with this. So I just laid down on the ground. I said, okay, give me this, give me that, give me the 14 millimeter. Let's tighten it up. And so I, I actually did the change for him. Then the next day, I told him, end of the day, check that. Make sure it's still tight. And the following morning, he goes, oh, good thing you told me that. The, the clamp was loose. I said, yeah, well. It gets hot and and will loosen yeah. loosen up sometimes. So Cheryl Weiss, she lost. She was out of the event a couple of days in. Her exhaust bushing came, you know, failed, and it. I don't think her brake line burned. It, it melted her wire harness. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's true. And she had was that one of the newer ones because I know it's it on my wife's the the three hundred. It's got it's two thousand twelve. It's like got another a ring around that header pipe to try to deflect the hot exhaust gases away now how well that works who knows but <laughs> but yeah that that's a weak point first for this vintage scooters i'm not sure what the other scooters are like or either the other brands again because my experience is limited but get to know your scooter yep you know do something and you know all robots videos all that try to or at least bring parts and stuff and you know somebody help you but, you know, you make the effort. Don't just expect somebody to be there to to help you. You know, you should know a little bit about your bike. Yeah, that's that's definitely great advice there. Make 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 an effort and do a little bit, you know, watch the videos where you can find them on YouTube for your bike. Take some notes on those. You might not have good Internet service to kind of go back or just the time to sit there and jog through, you know, a 30 minute you know, tire change video to figure out, you know, what was the torque setting? You know, it's somewhere in this video. Take a few notes. You can also download this stuff. You're carrying like a, a smartphone or a tablet. You can store PDFs on those, which is really handy. The maintenance manuals, you can download as a PDF and put it, if you have an iPad into the, you can import PDFs into the, the books app that's on there. 
and highlight stuff, make notes. It's, it's fantastic. And then you have it. It's downloaded. It's on your device. You have no on the side of the road with no cell phone connection, data connection, everything you may need, and a good double check on, on some of the more key numbers and, and bits of information that you need to know when doing some of these repairs. Yeah, I, I had done that with remember the little index cards, I, and I had wrote down all all the torque settings for stuff. And plus, when I had the whole uh, varier transmission cover off and stuff, on the back side, I wrote in marker what the torque settings are. Nice. So I had them some there, too. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I laid out all my tools. I had a little tool bag. And when I was doing stuff, I was writing down what tool I'm using. So then I used that list to build for my tool case, tool roll to take. And I had... You know, everything I had, and then spare parts, you know, consumed, you know, like I said, I looked at, I had the bushings, uh, I had a new bushing clamp for the exhaust, all that stuff, the oil, belt, rollers, variator, I didn't think what else I had, and then I had w- weird stuff, I had, like, little piece, I took some regular, like, number 18 gauge wire, so I had a bunch of wire, and some crimps, and then I had a little you know, the little contact lens cases. I had one side was dielectric grease. The other side was regular black grease. Just case. So I carried that in a, in a little thing. And I had spark plug, the spark plug boot, you know, that type of stuff. I'm stealing your, your contact lens thing. That's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I figured, Hey, I want to carry a little bit of grease, a little dielectric grease. You know, if you have to put a new spark plug boot on, you know, you want the little dielectric grease there before you twist it back onto your wire. Yeah, and those little travel size tubes, they, they get funky, but that's, I'm, that's a great one there. I, I writing that one down. Yeah. It's just one of those things you're looking around and see what you need. And then I had, you know, some gorilla tape and I had electrical tape and instead of carrying the big rolls, I had, you know, I took a wooden dowel and just wrapped a whole bunch of stuff around on that to carry for, for tape type thing. So, you know, I'll try to look at that. I, I swear, like, but like I said, my pet carrier got so heavy, I had to grill a tape with a little wooden dowel to be able to pull up to get it up so I can even put the gas cap underneath it for filling up. Nice. Because there's, I think I weighed in, I think it's around 30 pounds. That's not bad all at all. The tools yeah. and, no, it wasn't too bad. What, which Garmin did you use? I had the 396. Okay. All right. And, and would you use it again? That, Oh, yeah. I'm still using it. And actually, when we go out for rides, Margo and myself, I'm always leading and she's following. We got headsets and talking. And a lot of times I hear, you didn't tell me we we're going to turn. I said, and I didn't see your blinker. So for Christmas, she's got her own Garmin 396 that I have to do some training on. And this is the Zumo 396. Yes, the Zumo. Sorry. Yes. And with the lifetime maps. And I learn base camp i understand there is a good learning curve on it but once you learn it i i think it's a very good did you program. use trick tracks at all for your navigation no because i had looked into that and the one issue is i wanted voice prompts there's way i guess you can overlay it and stuff but i, I wanted the voice prompts because i fear oh, i could be just you know zoning out and you're on long straight away and then all of a sudden there's supposed to be a a bonus photo of a jackrabbit on the lawn, but apparently the rabbit was underneath the car because there was no rabbit there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I wanted those voice prompts. Yeah. 
Yeah, you could use it with voice prompts, but it would overlay the trick tracks route over your existing maps. And then you would have the magenta line that was kind of calculated, which paired with the voice prompts. So it just added more information that you had to dissect and interpret while you were writing. I actually used both, but I primarily used the voice prompts with the trick tracks as kind of a, a source of truth. If I ever started to doubt myself as to like a recalculation versus the route to be able to zoom out and say, eh, okay, we're making a little doggly here. And we're going to re-intersect with, you know, the suggested route from the event, you know, just five miles down the road or no, it's, it's completely given up on the day. And then now it's routing me to the finish hotel, which happened a couple times in the first two days with my own nightmare. So it was, it was handy, but I was using the 276, the, the newer iteration of it. I, I only use I like the big buttons with gloves or fingers and, and I don't have to touch the screen, but it's it's more of like a fish finder if you're kind of envisioning trying to yeah, what what it is. Yeah, this is smaller with the whole touch screen thing and and then the other thing with you know, I did have to have and you know, I had bought a whole box of them, I left them at the sign in table at the little barbecue beer place that uh, night before <laughs> that was you? all the little that was me all those little all <laughs> those you. little touch pens because i said ah well you know a whole box of them for you know it's like 36 or 50 of them and so i took a couple and tied it to a string and had that for my phone and i just you know left them there for everybody to <laughs> grab so yeah but that that worked out well like i said you know I can't say enough about the app that you developed. And I thought that, that was just excellent. Excellent. And my wife loved it. She, she got a kick out of being able to look. And the problem was a couple of times, was, I guess it was the phone wasn't updating because we we're in a no service area and she'd check and see I hadn't moved in a while. So <laughs> caused a little panic, but then, you know, all of a sudden I'd be like, you know, way away. And so I was like, oh yeah, nothing happened. It's just, the thing. For those that might be listening and not familiar with the past event or how the technology here, the tracking works is you can use a, like a, a Garmin inReach or a spot messenger, which has no cell phone data connectivity dependencies. And those devices will just ping up your location every five minutes or whatever the interval may be. And the Cannonball website and tracking maps can download that data and we update your little breadcrumb and, you know, here's where Barry is. If you're not using that, we also have a app for the event, which is used for scoring and taking photos of the checkpoints and the locations. But that also, if you have allowed it to, will upload your location every minute or so to the Scooter Cannonball website and also updates your map. So you can use an independent messenger and the event's smartphone app to share your location. And that allows someone that's watching at home to pull up kind of at any time and see where you're at. If you have cell phone connection, the app is, you know, every minute or two is sending it up. Otherwise, it'll update your location once connectivity is restored. So it's an easy way for family and friends and spectators to keep an eye on you and know where you're at throughout the day. It's a part of the event and it also doubles for scoring and works pretty well. Yeah. And, and the other thing, I think you can, couldn't you set for how much or what time it would update? I think I went with like, 15 minutes or 10 minutes so that it wasn't constantly constantly updating it wasn't because of the phone because i have a U usb port and i had every you know phone plugged in but i think i i think i did like 15 minute updates yeah on the app you could change the interval from 
I think down to a minute and up to uh, maybe maybe 45 minutes. It's, at some point, it's too long of a gap. But the app, in reality, the app itself doesn't really tax. Assuming that your phone, like everyone else these days, you have location services turned on. There's something else on your phone that knows where you're at. So it really doesn't create any additional battery draw. It's whatever your, your preference is. Unless you are one of those people that have every location thing you know turned off and it, this is the only but even that it, with with our phones today it's not a huge draw and, and to your point everyone has their phone hardwired in some one way or the other to the to their scooter and if you're not doing that you probably have one of those little lipstick battery things plugged in your pocket yeah and the other thing you know with the garmin i have it has i guess it, you can turn it on and i have it tied to the phone where it will sense if you crash and can send out you know, message. So, you know, if you're a solo rider, you know, that's something to consider. You know, if you're looking at buying a Garmin and, you know, if you buy it, you know, spend time. I read through the manual. You know, a lot of stuff, questions can be answered reading through the manual, get to know it. And there's certain feet, obviously, a lot of features that just clutter it up for, especially on, on a cannonball, like what gets displayed. You need three items that have to be displayed all the time. So I picked like gas stations and then I picked some something else and another thing that were very rare to pop up. So your whole screen doesn't get cluttered with, you know, all the restaurants in the area, all the get ga- you know, on top of all the gas stations, on on top of I don't know, all the municipal buildings or something. So I'd gone through and change that out so the only thing that would pop up would be really the gas stations fuel stops and i never really planned out my fuel stops too much i was kind of surprised on how you know riding around here riding normally i would get 80 87 miles to the gallon cannonball i think i dropped down to about 40 to 50 but i figured okay when the gas light comes on i'd start looking for for a gas station I did run out of gas twice overall, but so did a whole lot, a lot of other people because it was just such a huge stretch. <laughs> so, you know, I had the little can and I had it. The nozzle was one that you sort of push a button and it will empty out. So it wasn't like you had to pull a nozzle out from the, the can and fiddle with all that. And that was the first time I'd ever run out of gas. I wasn't sure exactly what it would feel like or what it'd be like. And, would things start right up again after I poured fuel into it? You know, it's not like with the carburetor, like with, you know, the float chamber gets empty or something like that. So. Yeah. I, I think the only caution there generally is the, and maybe this is just totally a myth, that the heat on the fuel pump, the fuel pump uses the, the fuel in the tank to some degree to cool itself. And by consistently running your tank out on the cannonball is not advisable if your scooter is the fuel system works that way that you'd want to maybe top off or refuel when the light goes on and not run it, run it dry three times a day for 10 days. Yeah. And that's what I tried to do. Just when the light came on, you know, I knew basically how many miles I had left. And, and when light came on first gas station, I saw, I, I usually pulled in and filled up and I always use high octane because one you're supposed to, but also it's usually non-ethanol around here. I was surprised at the amount of ethanol-free gas that we were able to find on this last trip. Yeah, but a lot of times one gas station, all they had was 87 octane. Yeah, 
And a couple in the Midwest where they had the E15, E20. Yeah. Yes. That was scary. No, you guys, yeah, it was scary. If you're not paying attention at the pump, now you're putting in, you know, the E15 or E20 into your scooter and panicking. (laughs) Yes. But hopefully you run through it fast enough that it's not going to do too much damage to you, to any seals or anything, because that's usually, you know, what it is. Pay attention. that's, you know, I don't know. That's pretty much my story for what it's, what it's worth. Did you stay in any the official hotels or did you mix and match? Pretty much twice. I didn't stay in the hotel. One was a really sketchy area near a truck stop. And I forgot which one that was. But I left my scooter over with everybody else's. That's the one where it was like, there's like a Holiday Inn, a Holiday Express, and another Holiday Hotel. Ah, uh, Rock Springs. And we had finished up. They pulled into the wrong hotel and, you know, took a picture and stopped the clock. But it seemed like it had worked. But, so I stayed up in another hotel. Actually, I walked up to it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of sketchy. But I said, oh, I guess this is a cannonball experience I can chalk there up. You go. I'm staying in a sketchy hotel. For new riders coming into the event, would you recommend staying at the official hotels or do a, a little bit of both? You know, it's up to your preference. And, and most of the times I stayed in the main hotels because, one, you get a lot of feedback. People say, you know, maybe you find out, like, there's a forest fire. You got to go around something the next day. There's more people there to help you out or, you know, you can help out. And just, you know, the camaraderie of of everything i would probably stay in the hotel the official hotels it seemed to like we're fine and especially you get the group rate and everything so that's that's helpful on that and usually the hotels you've picked have been more of a bigger chains and a lot of times they you know might be a a restaurant inside the hotel that you can get something to eat after dinner versus having to go someplace else and a lot of times you know who wants to get back on a scooter ride out you know in a strange town you know go five miles down the road or something and come back in the dark or whatever and that's the other thing is i gotta look at i wasn't pleased with some of my lighting the stock lighting on it and that was particularly tough the day we're crossing the mac bridge you know we're all underneath that canopy and kept raining and it's like Finally, I just said, okay, I'm going. Kind of dark. And I said, well, and they're really ridden in the dark in the rain. So here's where I'm going to chalk up that experience. (laughs) That's a little frightening because I really couldn't see that well. But I, you know, if I had some auxiliary lights, that would help. So that's the other change I'm thinking about for next year's a little better lighting. I'm not sure if just changing out the whole existing light to one of the new replacement LED systems they have for the bikes would would make an improvement. But that was, I think uh, it, it was Alan that left with me, followed me. He goes, okay, I haven't done this either, but I'm going to follow you. And he stayed with me for a little while, but I'm not sure what happened. And the other thing too, a couple of times with <laughs> Alan, I'd be riding along and all of a sudden I'd see a scooter on the side of the road and he's laying down on the side of the road. And he goes, no, no, I'm fine. I just need to rest. I'm tired. I, I saw him a couple of times doing that. You know, so I'm not sure if there's a way that, you know, maybe if you're planning to do that, maybe put a green flag on your bike or something so people know you're all right and you just, they just keep going by. 
you know? De- definitely something. I came across Alan many times during the trip. He was kind of just grinding his way across the country, very steady, but I never saw him on the side of the road laying down. That would be frightening. I've, I've come up on a rider laying down who was injured in the past, and that's, you know, it's you feel it in your, in your stomach when you see that. Especially, you know, I'm like trying to break hard, too. It's like, oh my God, there he is. You know, I'm fighting, so I'll go flying by too far and come back. But yeah, he's already, and I saw him another place. There's a rest area up on the right, kind of up on a little hill. I saw a scooter up there, and I'm looking, and then I see him, and he's giving me the, the wave. You know, so, but if you're on the side of the road and you're laying down in the grass, you know, maybe do something, have a, if you're planning to do that a lot, maybe have a sign made up. I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I didn't know what to think. I don't know. Get get us, bring a sign. There has to be some sort of like handkerchief that says something that's like, yeah, I'm taking a rest or snoozing or. I, yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. Belco strip the flag with hanging on your mirror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm good. I'm just I'm taking a taking a leak or taking a nap, whatever that may be. So God. But yeah, a lot of times, you know, people you pull up on something and people just yeah, wave you by. Remember I think it was Jim H. Was it didn't he uh crack his header pipe or Yes he did. I, I think he did like three times in the event. He had multiple failures of his header pipe. I think ultimately kind of contributed or traced back or we pointed the finger at the Melosi exhaust that he had that the exhaust itself was fine but maybe there was something that was a little bit out of alignment that was putting yeah some strain in a place that it shouldn't have been yeah but yeah jim jim had all all sorts of header pipe issues yes yeah he he did uh because i remember going he's by a cornfield and but he was on the other side of the road too i was like well what's it and he just kept waiting me just Go, go, go. Um, I think Tiny was, you remember that? Yeah, he was on a- no, but I have seen people that will do like a, a roadside repair like that, where they go on the other side just to have better visibility and oncoming traffic. Sure. And then you're not on the roadside either, you know, travel lane side. There's one day that was really beautiful. I was riding with Tiny and we went through like, a, this was day five and we're riding along and there's a lot of deer out. And we stopped because there's like four deer that went across the road. And then we stopped there and we just watched them leaping through the whole cornfield, which was pretty cool because it's like, you know, 630 in the morning. It's cool. The sun's just kind of starting, you know, coming up. And just to sit there and watch them, it was like a beautiful scene. You know, so we had a lot of stuff like that with the and sunrises, you know, out west can be spectacular and my favorite thing was badlands it was just awesome going through the badlands on a scooter and last time i'd been there i was 12 years old so it was some memories there of, of the badlands it's just and it's just the other thing with riding a scooter across country like this just you're out there you're in the whole environment of the whole countryside and everything and it's just like a couple of times it's like holy shit, I am out here. I've ridden my scooter this far. I'm really experiencing the whole, you know, country from a unique perspective, I think. And it's just like, it's amazing how big our country is. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'd say anybody, you know, if it's on your bucket list, do it. And just go in with reasonable expectations and you can never do enough prep as a rookie. Now, you know, there's some lessons you learn, obviously, having done it, that 
okay, it gives you a little bit of an edge on some stuff, but not a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been great talking with you today, Barry. All right. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you. And, you know, hopefully anybody that's listening can take any tidbits of my aged wisdom and being especially, you don't have to have ridden for 30 years before you try this. You know, I think I'm an example there of successfully doing it with limited yes, riding experience. So everybody keep scooting. Stay safe out there. <laughs>